Welcome to the Phoenix Nest, the podcast where bad bitches read romance. I'm Jess. And I'm Kat. And we're in the same building! Finally! Oh, thank God. Um, today we will be discussing Sworn to the Gods by Lexi Kane. Uh, but before we get into that, we'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform and follow us on social media. You can find us at the Phoenix Nest Pod on Instagram and PHX Pod on Twitter. You can also email us at the Phoenix Nest Pod at gmail.com. The links to our social media can be found in the description along with a link to our still very behind Goodreads and our favorite local to Tucson independent bookstore, mostly books. Sworn to the Gods, Cat. Yes. Cat made me read A Why Choose Romance. Yes. I hate them. I know. And I knew that going into this, um, this was like a couple months ago, they had like a, I don't know, you you texted me and you're like, here's a link, download a bunch of free books for Kindle, read them, whatever. Because I was unemployed you and were I, was, unemployed. I had a lot of free time. You were a little directionless and you needed some time to just sit and like think. And I was like, what better way than to have free books? So I sent you um, the stuff your Kindle. Yep happens like three or four times a year yep and so i sent it and this is one of the ones that you found yes and i would like to wish that you never found it (laughs) (laughs) okay um i don't think it's as bad as you're making it out to be it's definitely not great no it's not like a top ranking book for me or anything it's pretty pretty mid i would say okay um so I the reason I had you choose so the way we've been choosing books is like we're each choosing one for a month so we have two episodes and we each choose a book for an episode mm-hmm. and so this was my choice um I chose this because it had some elements that I was pretty sure Jess would like and I know that it's a reverse harem thing which I'm not super into either mm-hmm. I know Jessica's not into that no. but it has some like interesting mystery fantasy stuff. And it has some, like, Greek mythology stuff. And I was like, Jessica likes that shit. I do. And so we're going to give it a try. Because when I read it, it wasn't like, oh, my God, you have to read this book. That's a different book that I thought this book was because it's been a while. Yes. But we'll get to that book at a different point during the year. Uh, (laughs) um, So I was like, why not give it a try? We'll see if Jessica likes it anyway. Uh And she doesn't. Spoiler alert. So we're going to talk about why she doesn't. Um, but that's, like, kind of how this book got chosen. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to say I regret it. I'm not going to really apologize for it. Because I feel like this year is, like, an out-of-our-comfort-zones kind of deal. Yeah. Because we have been doing a lot of really, like, poppy-feeling We've been new releases. Well, and I think we need to shake it up a little bit, even if it's not what we love. Right? That's not the point of this podcast. A lot of it, too, has been... We've aggressively found themes and stayed within that theme for each month. And I think that we were getting too complacent and too comfortable with that. Right. So a lot of the stuff that I chose for the rest of the year is going to be things that I think puts Kat in a weird position. Because it's going to be more things that I enjoy in my romances. Which is like totally fine because that's like the point of choosing a book that you're interested in, right? Yeah. So I think that's totally fine. I um I have half a mind to change a couple of the ones. We can still do that because it's 
for further later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have half a mind to change because there's one specific one that I want you to read because I want to know if you land on the same bus as everyone else I've had read this book. Okay. Um, because it is a comfy, what do they call that? They call it a cozy rom fantasy. Okay. Romanticy, if you will. Um, it is, it is a very cozy book, but it is very strange. It's very weird. Okay. It's one of those books where when people are like, what's your favorite book of last year? I'm like, listen, this book is fucking weird. Uh Uh-huh. And it, it's fucking bananas. There are talking giant animals that used to be like the postal service for the demigods kind of situation. Mm -hmm. There's also zombies, but they're not zombies, but they are zombies. So I think I'm going to change one of mine and I'm going to have you read it. Okay. Um, just to see where you land. I want to see if you like it. Yeah. But there, we're taking the opportunity to kind of step back from themes and kind of read books that have either been on our TBRs for a while or things that we looked at and found interesting just to see kind of what happens. Or just by like lesser known or like actually up and coming authors. Cause that was another thing that we kind of, you know, fell into the trap of, well, of course we're going to read Alicia Rye because we love Alicia Rye. Yes. And it's not a bad thing that we want to read that, but maybe we don't need to do an Alicia Rye book as soon as it comes out every single year, which we are going to do, by the way. Yes. We're not, I'm not saying we're not going to do that, but we did kind of fall into that, that trap of, you know, oh, hey. Here's a well-known here's- author with a brand new book. Yeah. Hop on it immediately. I think we did that um, often because some some of those better-known authors are just easier to find books that are mm-hmm. weird aesthetics, so yeah. to speak. So, like, when we do our Christmas stuff and so we re- read a Christina Lauren, yeah. it's because we know that Christina Lauren doesn't suck. Yeah. But we also need a themed book. Yeah. And so now we're going to have to branch out a little, little more. And that's okay. Um, It might just make for a lot of, like, books we hate and kind of hate reading content. <laughs> But it's it's better to branch out, is what we're saying. So this is my attempt at branching out. Um, I think any attempt would be a successful attempt. I'm not going to say it's a failure because we tried it. We didn't love it, but we tried it. We attempted, and that is an A for effort. And we're going to go for it. And it's okay if we don't like things. Yeah. That's the whole, the whole point of this podcast really was to kind of learn who we are as readers in the romance sphere. Um, cause at the time we started this, I didn't read romance. Yeah. Which I always thought was really weird because I read romance exclusively outside of teaching. Yeah. And it was very rare that what I was reading wasn't romance. I mean, like, obviously there were other things like series, right, yeah. that I would read or like, I fucking read Atlas Shrugged and that was terrible. But like. I don't know. I still can't figure out why you did it all the way through. It was a punishment for myself. Yeah, yeah, it was. That like whole a literal, situation was a literal punishment Like a literal for punishment. Like, I am forcing myself to finish this book because I'm an awful person. Listen, um, <laughs> you are allowed to stop reading a book if you don't like it. Unless you're reading it for this think podcast. That, okay, so, like, side note, like, huge tangent. Alice Shrugged is, like, a super hyped up book, but it's a super hyped up book for people who think they're millionaires or yeah. billionaires. And they're better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a confirmation that you are better and smarter yeah. when you're not actually better or smarter. Because yeah. that's, like, the whole idea behind it. So if you've never read Atlas Shrugged, save yourself some fucking time. It's it's basically, like, the smartest people in the world decide that everyone else can die 
and they just create their own like utopia style living situation in like Colorado. It's like stupid. Let's also take a moment to understand that if you are a dude, you are reading Atlas Shrugged, The Infinite Jest, and The Catcher in the Rye. I was like, my favorite quote from something was like, I knew he sucked because his favorite book was Atlas Shrugged. And I was like, <laughs> yup. Yeah, if you associate with John Gall as like your spirit animal, you can fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, you so know, anyways, branching out, we're having a great time. Um, this book made me take a lot of notes. Were they good notes? No. Were they notes to make me remember what happened? Yes. Um, if my boss is listening to this, no, you're not. Um, I definitely read most of this at work. I want to also say that even though we're trying to branch out, we still have like hard limits. We're going to say it that way. I know it's like a sex term, but like. We have some hard limits in what we want to read. Like, we just discussed in the car on the way here, we're not ever going to review a Colleen Hoover. No. We have a lot of reasons for that. And if you love Colleen Hoover, that's totally fine. That's on you. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to have your opinion. But based on what we have read or, like, the the blurbs that we've read for when she has new books, they're – the themes in her books are not themes that we want to promote on this platform – and when we accidentally choose a book that has a theme like that, then we f- we talk about, like, why it's not necessary. Or, like, why, like, domestic violence doesn't have to be in there all the time. Or, like, rape doesn't have to be in there all the time. Or, you know, like, all kinds of stuff that um, we've seen in Colleen Hoover. And just the language in her books is very weird. What did Taylor Tomlinson say last night? They, you need a safe word for when couples fight. And it should be pineapple. And not cunt, which is what, <laughs> well, the, that's friend, what, the, other, yeah. what the friend told her. Yeah. Um, so our safe word is um, Hoover over here. Um, I'm going to Hoover it. No, thank you. So, Kat, do you want to read the synopsis to Sworn to the Gods? And let's get into this so that I can read off my insane list. Yep. Here we go. Have fun. <laughs> All right. Sworn to the Gods. Four bound gods, one mortal woman, a choice to bring the fall of the Empire. I'm left with only bad options when the oaf determined to marry me hunts me down. It's either hide in the forbidden catacombs or be forced into a sham of a marriage, but there's a reason mortals avoid the crypts. Deep in the underground, I send up one last-ditch prayer to any gods listening. I don't expect one to answer, much less four. There's always a catch with men, and these gods are no different. Erebus, god of darkness. Eros, god of passion. Helios, god of sun and fire. And Thanatos, the dark god of death, all expect me to bond as their tether to the mortal world. They're set on a dangerous quest to regain their powers. I know I'm in over my head, but I can't deny I'm drawn to them, all of them. But there's more at stake here than I can deny. Freeing the gods means an end to the Empire as we know it, and learning to rely on someone besides myself. Okay, so this is a blurb that's written in the voice of our protagonist. Her name's Elaine. Um I started calling her Ellen because I couldn't get past the fact that her name was Eleni or whatever it is. Uh-huh. Um, and my brain, in an attempt to save itself... While reading, um, was like, no, just go with Ellen. So later on in my notes, it just turns to um, Ellen. Let me find where it happens because I just started calling her Ellen DeGeneres at one point. Oh no, she's um, not Ellen DeGeneres. The long- she's <laughs> not. The longer this goes on, the more I want to call her call Eleni Ellen. 
Um, and then Ellen DeGeneres, like I just started putting it in there because my brain was like, that just makes it easier for my head. But um, yeah. Uh, do you remember the cowboy book that we read? The episode is called Cooler Corn. Yes. I um, listen to that sometimes when I want to laugh. <laughs> I'm glad that you can go back and listen to our stuff. And <laughs> I do. I've re-listened to all of them. Sometimes we're funny. Not always. Sometimes we're annoying. Like <laughs> We are. Sometimes I'll listen to them and I'm like, oh God, I'm so sorry to the 12 people that listen to us. <laughs> I'm sorry to my mom. <laughs> oh, my mom doesn't listen to us. <laughs> my mom does. I don't let her. Because sometimes they say sex things on here. And I really don't – I'm in my 30s. I don't want to have a sex conversation with my mom because, like, the last one I had was, like, a couple years ago. Oh, and it was, was really awkward. uncomfortable. And I was like, never mind. My mom just asks if I'm dating. Mom, when do I leave my, my house? My mom doesn't ask me anything anymore, which is I, for kind of how I prefer it. I'll just, like, show up pregnant one day and she'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, hey. Anyway. Hopefully I will have known the entire time. But um, um, let's do – okay, so let's do a quick rundown of this plot because okay. it's it's not actually a super involved plot. It's very basic. Uh-huh. So we have – I say Eleni. I know you say, you were saying Eleni? Eleni? Eleni. Eleni. Oh, see, I don't get it. Anyways, we have her and she works in – it's so weird to say she works. She works in a temple for Athena. Yes. And for so, the worshippers. And so Athena. as a virgin, she that's the only reason she was allowed to stay because her mother worked in a different temple and that temple got taken over and her mother was murdered um, by the new empire. And the new empire is um, like really, really... Roman. Yeah, but like they're really, really strict and they're like taking over by force and they're changing all the laws and getting rid of all the gods because they want their gods to be recognized. But the leader of this empire doesn't want any gods recognized because he thinks he's a god. Mm -hmm. And so there's, like, that whole mystery of, like, why – because he claims to have powers and shit, right? So our protagonist is doing her shopping in the market and this drunk guy who she's supposed to marry or something – He is trying to convince her to marry him because he's – He's, like, obsessed with her. Yes. He's a drunk dude and he needs a wife and he thinks that – his name is Trav. And he's, like, a guard or something, right? No, he's just a drunk. No, he has, like, some kind of job. I might have skimmed over that. It was at the beginning. <laughs> you didn't even give it a chance. Cat just <laughs> The sound that just came out of Cat's mouth. I really hope that the, the podcast microphones picked it up <laughs> because it was a scoff. It was a uh, scoff, but it was very low. Because it was the beginning of the book. You don't even try the beginning. Oh, my God. <laughs> I attempted. It was the worst. Okay. So anyways, so he so his idea in his drunk ass mind, which is like a weird mo- so one of the things Jess struggled with was a lot of the stuff in this is like a modern day crossover for some ideas. So like yeah. Eleni is super feminist. Yeah. She's like, fuck you, I do what I want all the time. She's like, I'm beholden to no one and like yeah. don't touch me. And like everyone is giving her shit in the very beginning of the book. She's Why like- are you married? You're so pretty. You should be married. Aren't you promised well, to someone like, yet? It's Specifically, awful. like, Travis hitting on her, being really fucking gross. She's just trying to take her basket of fish to the- She's literally doing grocery shopping. Yeah. Is what she's doing. She's trying to take her basket of fish yeah. over to the um, worshippers of Athena. And Travis like, you should get with me. And she's like, you should take a hint. And every everybody, like, in the square is like, yeah, when are you going to finally give him a chance? When are you going to take him up on that word? You should get married to him. It'll be perfect. And she's like, I don't- Want to take care of a child, which is essentially what Trav is, because he's a drunk asshole. 
And he does not leave her alone. And he irritated me. And he gets what he deserves in the end. So his idea is if he can convince everyone that they've had sex, that Mm -hmm. she has to marry him because her whole, like, position within the temple is only because she's a virgin. Which is a true thing. Yeah. They only employed virgin maids in temples because it was a place of purity. Yeah. And that's, like, that's a thing historically. And so he decides that to get what he wants – and also get what he wants, he's going to sexually assault her. And so he's chasing her. And so she decides to run into the crypts. And so these catacombs are a maze, right? It's like, you think of like a minotaur. She thinks that she's going to go into this catacomb. And the other thing is, is that she's going to A, lose him, but B, also he's not going to follow her down there because the people that do come out crazy if they come out at all. Right. So she's thinking, okay, if I can go down there and just survive long enough for him to go away... I'll leave. Why is my cat very intently staring at you? I know, but he's enjoying it for a while now. Weirdo. Um, so she goes down there and he follows her and he continues to try to assault her. And at the foot of a statue down there, she sends out a, please, if you do, if you help me, if I will do anything. If anyone can hear me, save me from my fate. Yes. Which is like, a, like praying to God is what we say. Like, please, God. Get me out of this. Yes. It's essentially the same plea. But what happens is she's bleeding because he, Trav is, he's very abusive right at the beginning. Yeah. And so he's injured her. And so her blood gets on the statue she's leaning against, which turns into a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So she is now a virgin sacrifice in the catacombs oh. where four gods have been bound and trapped. By Dionysus, wine daddy trapped him down there. Yeah. So suddenly there's like a wind through the cat. This is like a, a thing, right? It's like a wind in, and a mist. In mythology. This is like, if you ever read like the weird stories of like minotaurs and stuff, when there are things coming or changing, there's always a wind or a mist and yep. it's like a warm wind where there shouldn't be one or a yes. cold wind, where there, whatever. Yep. And so she feels like this change in the air and suddenly she's wrapped in strong arms and Trav is dead. <laughs> like, very boom, dead. done. And then they're like, Let's leave. And she's like, no, who are you? And she's freaking out. Yeah. And it's because it's Eros. It's Eros is holding her and Erebus is the one who killed Trev. And Erebus, she describes him as wreathed in black shadow. And Eros has his big white glittering wings. And she's like, what the fuck is going on? Because she doesn't believe that she's, well, for a while she doesn't believe that she's alive. (laughs) Yeah. And she thinks that this is all like some weird alternate version of like death and so they have to like convince her that she's been saved so they take her deeper into the catacombs where they've been living because they are in fact trapped Mm -hmm. they can't leave the catacombs until their prophecy becomes true which is that they're tethered to a mortal woman the rest of the prophecy is essentially like um when they're all tethered to her she will die and they will be free but they will also it'll also bring the downfall of those four gods it'll be their ruin yeah and so there's there's a lot of complicated stuff about the the men fighting their inner selves, you know, about like love at first sight and like we get along with her and we want to give her a chance. Yeah. But she's a weak, puny human she's and like a human. She and could she never fight them tooth and nail to be like, fuck you guys, I do what I want. And they're like, Well, you can't leave. Yeah. She's like, watch me, and then she can't leave because it's dark and Erebus controls that. <laughs> exactly. Like, you yeah. Know, so like there's all these like layers. And so the adventure is in them getting out of the catacombs and trying to find their way 
to to safety and to bring down the empire because the mm-hmm. empire is the whole reason that this was even able to happen. Yeah. Because once their temple is destroyed, a god or goddess essentially like loses their power because they don't have followers. The more followers they have, the more powerful they are. Yep. It's like a whole Tinkerbell, do you believe in fairies? She's dying when you don't. Clap if you believe. Yeah, it's one of those things. And so there's adventures in the catacombs. There's some sexual things in the catacombs. Some sexual things. There's a lot of sex in this book. But not good sex. There's just but not sex. the worst sex we read. Not I the want worst to sex. make sure that we have that distinction because we have read a lot of off-page or a lot of shitty sex, it's terrible sex scenes. This was decent sex. I would like to bring up bittersweet rain. There's just a lot we've, we've had all a bad time fault. with. Um, so yeah. let's go back to the beginning. They are in Greece. We're going to put quotes on that because they don't call it Greece. Did you pronounce it Grecia or Grecia? Grecia. Grecia. Okay. It had two. Because, like, Grecian gods. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's legionnaires, which mm-hmm. are the Roman equivalent. Yeah. Um, legionnaires are real. We know that from history. And my note simply says, legionnaires suck. But we already knew that from history. It's just a really militant takeover. Yeah. Um, which is a historical thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of my issues with this this whole book was that the author had a really hard time with um, common phrases. I did notice that, that there were some things that I'm like, that's almost what it's supposed to be. And then it wasn't quite correct. But we've had that in a few books recently. And I don't know what's happening to authors. I wrote this one down because it made me angry. Okay. It's very beginning. Um, a murder of ravens. And I said, um, it's oh, a murder it's of crows. crows. Yeah. Ravens are an unkindness, not a murder. Yeah. Um, so there were a few errors in that sense. And I... We have talked about it before. A lot of my hang-up is grammatical issues. Well, that's not really a grammatical. That's like a colloquialism. Uh, Yeah, but for me, too, there were a lot of grammatical errors. And I think that really speaks to when an author is not very widely known and they don't have the backing of, like, a huge publisher, Mm -hmm. even when they do. I'm looking at who? Who do we have the most problems with? Berkeley. Yeah, Berkeley is... So they have issues. <laughs> I wish you could see Jessica's face because I've said that I pointed at her and she was like, "What?" Like, there is there is one author who I feel she just got the best team that Berkeley could put out, um, Jen Deluca, because her books don't have v- as many issues as see, most. Berkeley I would books. be like, "Fucking put me on it!" I fucking love that shit. <laughs> That's what I'm going to school for, girl. You think finally that, but you'll see it's. <laughs> Not like a... No, it's not. You can't just swoop in you there. You can't swoop in there. Um, So, we we often have these problems, and it's because we're nitpicky. Yeah. And we understand that. But then we also see things with common phrasing mm-hmm. that is incorrect. And we're like, that takes like a... Like anyone else to have read that. There were... T- Unless she's from a place that really actually says it wrong. Yeah. There were timeline issues, too. Um, or just minor errors that she didn't keep track of in the book. So... Which happens in big books, too, where you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. So, Eleni's mom is murdered for worshipping Poseidon. Yes. And I have questions about whether or not she is some kind of something related to Poseidon because there was a lot of talk about how much she loves water. Okay. But like, that's the whole point because she starts to, okay. So this is the fantasy part 
is Eleni starts to exhibit powers as they go through, and she can recharge the gods, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily through sex, right? Yeah. It's through, like, her touch or through, like, not even sexual touch. But it's a thing where when they're around her, their own powers start to recharge, and they start to feel more themselves because they've been trapped for so long that they haven't had their full powers. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> but so, they're they're also going crazy down there, uh, specifically Eros and Helios. Yeah, because well, they need to be outside. <laughs> yeah, they're not meant for the darkness like Thanatos and Erebus are. Yeah, so it makes sense. So, so we see this kind of display of like her having some kind of powers, and we're we're not sure throughout the entire book. Even at the end, we're not sure. But the gods kind of talked among talked amongst themselves. About, like, there's something different about her, and that's why she's been brought to us. Like, this is a mm-hmm. faded thing. Yeah. This isn't just, like, a woman found herself lost in the catacombs. Because well, that's happened a lot, and no one's ever called to them. So, okay, so their prophecy comes up. Um, Dionysus hears the prophecy, and he knows, okay, I have to do something. So Dionysus, as Dionysus does, inserts himself into it. And he is the one, he even says, I orchestrated this whole thing. He trapped them on purpose. He trapped them on purpose. And it's to save them, he says. Yes. And he specifically made Trav to be the drunk person and whispered, basically whispered in his ear, Eleni is the one that you want, and forced the situation to happen so that she could do this. Mm -hmm. But he also says she was the best bet for this prophecy. And so, okay, so once we break free of the catacombs after fighting many creepy fucking <gasps> monsters. They fight like four or five Lamia. Do you know what Lamia are? Mm-hmm. They're so fucking scary. If you don't know what a Lamia is, it is the weight from like the waist down is a snake body. Mm-hmm. And then from up is a human body. And they're mean. And they're mean. And they're, they're evil. so mean. And they and eat you. The And they have been, the Legionnaires have been throwing babies and children down to feed these Lamia, but it's been a really long time, so they're super, super, super hungry. And that was, so that was like a rumor mm-hmm. that Eleni had told the gods, and they were like disgusted because they would never ask their followers to do that. That's yeah. not a thing, because they are loving gods or whatever. Gods in, his, in like historical referencing are fucking crazy. Always. But- they don't ask you to sacrifice your children or exactly. your infants. Yeah. And um, so, like, that's a whole other issue because then they're finding out that it's more than just this guy who's trying to rule everyone is awful. Mm-hmm. It's that he thinks that this is going to give him more power, which tells him that he has some form of power. So, Eleni. <laughs> we do find out who this is, by the way. I know. We're getting there, yes. Jessica. Keep going. We're getting there. <laughs> Cat is really adamant about me. Because you I don't like the it. book, but we need to say what happens in the book. <laughs> Go and, for it. Oh my god. Okay. Go for it. So, <laughs> so they get free of the catacombs. They fought a bunch of things, like rotting lions. Oh, those were really like, gross. There's a lot. And a satyr comes to escort them to Dionysus, and they're like, we don't know about this. But then they have to go, mm-hmm. I, we have to say something about the satyr No, first. we don't. The satyr was a weird, horny satyr. They're all horny. They're satyrs. Gross. They live with nymphs. Facts. That's not new information. Does it bring a whole different meaning to Mr. Tumnus, though? Or the movie Hercules. Oh. Phil. Phil Octetes, played by Danny DeVito, mm-hmm. was weirdly horny. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay, keep going. Okay. So, Dionysus is throwing a party, as he does. 
And they're like, is this a trick? And the satyr's like, no, I promise. And they're like, if it is a trick, you're going to die. And they're being escorted by centaurs who are assholes. Centaurs always are. Which is, like, such a funny, like, theme. Mm -hmm. Because, like, in history, like, in mythology, they are assholes. Like, they're, like, really awful. But then, like, nowadays, centaurs are supposed to be cool and, like, into astrology and, like, shit. You know, it's like, okay, that's wrong. (laughs) They're awful. Um, so they, they like, don't really trust Dionysus, but that's their only option at this point mm-hmm. because Elaine is sick. She's been using her power so much to recharge the other gods because their powers are obviously more important than hers mm-hmm. because there's four of them and they need to, like, protect all of them. So they go, uh, someone tries to, like, pick up Elaine because she, they think she's hot. Like, physically pick her up. And so they kill him. And then... They get to finally to Dionysus' throne, and they tell Eleni, we have a witch from the north for you to meet yeah. who's in the same situation. So this is where it gets weird, and then it's almost the end of the book, yep. which is annoying. Yeah. So she meets, and they talk, and we don't know what they talk about the entire time because then it switches to Thanatos. Yeah. Which is whatever. It's fine. And they find out that they're going to have to go on a journey because what's happened is the gods have been stuck in the catacombs for centuries. Literally hundreds of years. 274 years and 26 days. Because the person that was fated to free them before Mm -hmm. died. Yep. Which then tells us it may have been her mother. Oh, yeah. Did you not realize that? I didn't until you just said that. (laughs) And so Dionysus tries to explain to them, the reason you've been down there for so long is because it had to be the right person to attach to you yeah. with the right power. And they're like, she has powers? And he's like, duh. Yeah. But she doesn't know it, and she doesn't know how to use it, so you can't just like let her go off on her own. And they're like, oh, but obviously. Also, so the whole point of them getting out of the catacombs is that they had to share blood. They were trying to take – basically, they were going to give some of theirs to Eleni. Eleni was going to give hers to them. Because it would provide the protection without uh-huh. them all dying. Yeah. And so the the issue, though, is that once they've all shared blood and they've all been tethered, if she dies, supposedly they all die. But as we know, prophecies are often misunderstood. Always they're, misunderstood. They're never correct when explained to someone else. So Dionysus is still kind of weird and, like, mysterious about it. And he's like, you have to travel to the north, blah, 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 blah. That's Dionysus. He's out. always so like he's that. like a fucking disaster. And they're like, fuck you, you weren't really helpful, we're going to go enjoy the party and leave. And then that's the end of the book. The and the end was very quick and left little to be desired, honestly. I won't be finishing the series on my own. I, I won't. If you do, please tell me. I want to know what happens, <laughs> but I don't want to read so it So you want to know what happens, but you don't want to do the work. I want the condensed version of it. Um, mm. Because like I did, I did have a lot of issue with it. So first off... My issue was the selection of the gods, because it is a strange selection. And Eleni does, at one point, describe them as they're both, both sets, if you will, are opposites of each other. So Helios and Erebus um, are opposites, and then Eros and Thanatos are opposites. Mm-hmm. Which, fine. But you're going to choose four gods, any four that you want, and you chose those four? Okay, but I think it's because she – so there's, like, a background storyline about um, setting free um, Kronos and the rest of his sons. Yes, Chaos from, and everybody from, from the underworld Because that's, like, the whole thing is that they're trying to prevent Chaos 
from being freed because the new ruler wants chaos. Yes. He wants chaos and he wants him on his side. And so, like, that's, like, the background storyline that you don't really find out about until the end because mm-hmm. they're like, no, how can how can anyone be free of Tartarus? That would be impossible. And, yeah. and Dionysus is like, you think? Like, guess what, guys? Because Dionysus is, like, chaotic neutral, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's not good. He's not bad. He always knows something and is going to do something, but he's not really helping anyone or yeah. he's helping everyone. And that's kind of his whole deal. And that's normal in mythology with Dionysus. Oh, yeah. Like, that's very much... I think that... So I think that the reason these, I would say, minor gods were chosen is because they have a counterpart that's also just as minor. Yeah. And they're not one of the big three. True. Because we we too often see the big three presented in things when they're not... They're not actually as important as they're made out to be. Like, yeah, it's like earth, sky, water, underworld. So it's like, that's why they're so important. But they have so many other gods and goddesses out there that Mm -hmm. it doesn't really make sense. It would not have worked had it been any of the big three. Yeah. At all. Especially if it were like one of the big three and three other Well, I think that's why, even though they talk about how much she loves water, they obviously can't have it be Poseidon if... Her mother worshipped Poseidon and was murdered for worshiping him, right? So, like, and so that would make sense, and it would make more sense as to why she went to the temple of Athena for protection, right? So, like, there are some things that, like, if you don't know your mythology or you don't know basic mythology, you'd be like, I don't get what's going on. You do have to know basic mythology, Um, which isn't that bad, honestly. If you just Google these, these. And see characters, these gods. These gods, yeah. It would be fine. Um, I googled mm-hmm. because I knew that all of them, with the exception of one, were linked in some way. Mm-hmm. Do you know what their link is? Mm-mm. Nyx. Oh, okay. Every single one of them are linked by Nyx. Erebus was either born solely of Nyx mm-hmm. or Nyx and someone. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have... Eros, where I believe Nyx was like his aunt or something like that. And then Thanatos, again, mm-hmm. where Nyx is like his mother. So they're all linked by this one. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I pulled it up in my poor coworker. He was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm reading this book. And all of these gods are connected. And I don't think anybody realizes that they're all connected. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, hand me a piece of paper and a pen and I will show you. And I was like drawing like a diagram of everybody. He's like, why do you know this? And I was like, everyone, Google. I was like, everyone had a hyperfixation. And mine happened to be Greek mythology. <laughs> You were one of those kids, or you weren't one of those kids. Yeah. You were either Greek mythology or a dinosaur kid. Um, I feel like those are two separate levels of kids. <laughs> or like you, age group-wise. You were also, you also had um, the Holocaust kids that knew too much about World War II. Oh, yeah. And that's not until middle school, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, I knew they were all linked, and I had to figure out why. But I think my biggest hang-up was just that... We had a lot of focus on Erebus and Eros, mm-hmm. not nearly as much focus on Helios and Thanatos. Well, that's because um, Helios had a broken heart. His son. Uh-huh. And so he is not in a place for a relationship. He He's gets there. In the end. Yeah. He likes to But watch. it's like not an instantaneous. And then Thanatos is reserved because... 
the prophecy, he he's like fearful of the prophecy, yeah. even though he's supposed to have zero fear about anything. And Eleni will tell him, like, she is, up the, to him. is the god of death afraid of this or whatever? Uh-huh. And he's like, shut up. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> um, so, like, we do have, like, some minor reasons because there is a second book in the series already. And so, Has it come out? I don't know. I know that it's, like, announced, but, like, I haven't read it. I'm going to pull it um, up. So, it's just one of the things where we're, like, we understand that maybe Eros, who's always ready for love, it makes sense that he would be the first one to be, like, hey, pretty lady, you and me. All I could hear was the whisper song. <laughs> he was very comfortable behind you. No, I was like, what the fuck? When you said, hey, pretty lady, all I could hear in my head was, hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. That was 100% Eros. Oh, no. 100% Eros. Um, anyway. <laughs> so we have that. Other than that, that's kind of... So basically we have a quest, and within that quest we have a prophecy. And uh-huh. that prophecy is leading us to this faded mates situation, yep. um, which we lovingly referred to as reverse harem in trope world i call it why choose i hate the term reverse harem i hate the term harem to begin with but the reverse portion of it really pisses me off why um it is overused in and it's overused and it's overused incorrectly because they're talking about like two people so three people like in this like when historically when you think of a harem that is a man with many wives yeah. Or concubines. Yeah. And then when you, quote unquote, reverse it, that is a woman with many, right? Yeah. So the new, the new real, the term that a lot of people are using now is why choose? Yeah. So why choose this one when you can have many? That is the por qué no los dos situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is, is that it's overused in situations such as like a grumpy sunshine. We think grumpy sunshine as a trope is he is grumpy, she is sunshine. And someone will go, it's a reverse grumpy sunshine. No, it's just a grumpy mm. sunshine. She's the grump and he's the sunshine. Well, it makes more sense to use the why choose then because a reverse harem makes sense because traditionally harems are female. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that one, I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. I prefer, I just prefer the why choose aspect of it. But um, I have a really hard time with why choose specifically okay because a lot of times it is all centered around one person and to me that does not feel realistic in any way shape or form and as someone who does not like that much attention if i were in a situation where i had my choice of five dudes four dudes however many dudes first off i'm never going to be in a situation where i have that many dudes that is far too much penis for my liking okay (laughs) But I don't want all of that attention solely on me. Uh-huh. I would prefer a more polyamorous situation where okay. we have relationships outside of the one soul connecting person. I think that would be just very hard to write well. And I think yeah. we've talked about this before. Yeah. That a polyamory relationship in a romance novel would be a very difficult balance to maintain because you'd be constantly switching between, like, four perspectives. Yeah. Or something like that. And that would make it essentially feel like you never know the most about one character, which is why this Why Choose yeah. would make more sense for romance For romance novels. writing, yeah. So I know that it's, like, not great, 
like, I wouldn't say that this book was a five-star book. No. And I wouldn't say that it was a zero-star book. I would just say it, is it a was low. <laughs> it was a book. It was low. Okay, so, basic plot. Um, we're left with kind of a mystery at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know anything about the Nordic witch. Because and the other woman at Dionysus' party is a Nordic which it's that's what I said. It's, it's but it, it's Greek mythology, and suddenly now we have Norse mythology. But they coexist, just st- not in the same, just not in the same location at the same time. So, but those are two things that actually existed in the same like historical yes. time. Frame. Here's my question. Yeah, this is another thing that really irritated me the whole way through. I understand what she was doing with the empire and everything, with the more Roman esque mm-hmm. style, right? But at the time of the ancient Greeks, the ancient Romans were also worshipping the same gods with different names. Right. That's why we have our planets named incorrectly. Couch Kitty. Finally. (laughs) I used the vacuum. He fought his way free. He really did. That was a struggle. Poor Couch Cat. Poor Angus. He's like, I'm going to go hide somewhere else. Um, So, I just had, I think I just had a hard time overall. Um understanding and caring because i did not connect with any of the characters except for thanatos but that's because thanatos is kind of one of my favorite like storylines if you will like his specific place in greek mythology yeah yeah that makes sense because you know everybody talks about hades as being the god of death no he's the god of the underworld thanatos is the god of death Mm -hmm. thanatos is the one who facilitates the underworld having souls just how it goes um, but I think he was really the only character that I cared about. Um, Erebus was okay. Um, Eros was horny, as always. Maybe that's what you expect him to be. Yeah. Oliver, please don't attack your brother. Assholes. If you hear fighting, it's the cats. It's been a day. Um, so I just, I had a really difficult time with any of it. And it was a struggle, and poor cat had to listen to my, you know, read my text messages while she was <laughs> while she was playing with adorable puppies. I was suffering <laughs> through this this book. I mean, I think that when you go into writing that is marked as fantasy, you kind of have to give up control. Yeah, like you're no longer driving. It's not going to fully make sense because they're going to have made up something. Yeah, they made up a language. They made up a technology. They made up. Uh, just a thing that doesn't exist. And so for us, we, in our education system, we're not taught a lot of, like, Nordic mythology. No. Even though it's very strong and very, very interesting. But we are reasonably taught Greek mythology, Greek mythology for a very long time. My freshman year of high school, I had honors English. It was the only honors class my entire high school gave it was the only one that was ever offered mm-hmm. freshman honors english and i remember we spent two and a half three weeks solely on greek mythology mm-hmm. because it's something that's um sensationalized or like more researched or there's more written yeah. stuff that is like um like historically like you can put yeah like you can just like track it a little bit more because the greeks had one of the first written languages yeah. or the oldest written languages, right? And so a there's like of, that kind of stuff. Well, and a lot of our, you know, English words do have Greek origins. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. But 
Um, you just have to, anyways, you just have to give up navigation when you start reading fantasy. And that goes for kind of any fantasy. Which is so weird because I love fantasy. I just That's why I thought you would like it because yeah. it has some weird shit in it. And it's fantasy and it's Greek mythology. Cat sees so, weird like, shit and is like, Jess loves this shit. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, so like you just kind of have to like accept that there's going to be stuff that your brain's gonna be like, uh-uh. Yeah. And it's it's hard sometimes because you're like, that doesn't work, but it does for the storyline. Yeah. And so that's why this Nordic witch has shown up. And I think too, you just have to like you just gotta let it go. You also um have to let go of the most of the knowledge that you have, specifically with this one, most of your Norse mythology knowledge. Yeah, well, she doesn't really talk about a lot of it. No, but like we were talking last night, um, a we talked about. Um, so she is a the the witch queen, if you will. It's Brynhilda, who is the Valkyrie. And I was like, but she's a Valkyrie. And Kat was like, what is a Valkyrie if not a witch? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fair. That's absolutely You know, fair. It's, just, it's just like you have to see it from a different perspective. And this is written in the perspective of Greeks knowing what Greeks know. Yeah. And so they would know absolute shit nothing about Nordic witches. The one thing I will say that I did like about the book is that Dionysus, being Dionysus, has his hands in literally everything. Yeah. He uses his his um, god of wine and party, you know, He's to like, his advantage. Everyone tell me secrets. <laughs> He's like, everyone um, is drunk and horny. Tell me all the things you know. So one of the other things uh, that we didn't really mention in the plot is that the protection that is bestowed upon someone who shares blood with Eleni extends to whoever she chooses to share blood with. Yeah. And so because Dionysus has an idea of what this prophecy entails, like the whole prophecy, not the part that Thanatos knows, he requests to exchange blood with Eleni, and the men are like, fuck no. She's like, no, it's fine. Yeah. No, it's fine. We'll do it. Because it awards her some of Dionysus' powers, Mm -hmm. and it awards Dionysus some of Eleni's protective powers, Yeah, because even though she can't fully use them or contain them, they're still very powerful. Yeah. And so he's just adding, it's like he's adding a, a suit of armor on top of a bulletproof vest. You know, he, it's like And what's crazy an extra is thing. that her powers are so deep and so vast that once she realizes that she has them and can tap into them, it's a constant struggle for everyone telling her, hold it in. Don't let it because out. Because she gets crazy. Like, she's trying to heal people and then she, yeah. like, explodes shit. <laughs> and they're like, stop doing that. She's like, I was just trying to, they're like, no. Stop doing it until you can control it. And she's like, I can control it. She clearly can't. She can't. Because she can't actually use it to defend herself very well. And And that's like the whole point. She kind of has to be having like a heightened emotion too for it to happen. Which I think is why the sex stuff comes in. Yeah. Which, that's not the first time we've seen something like that though. That's That's not an uncommon thing. Where your emotions are too heightened and the only way to calm you down is to fuck. No, where it contributes to whatever power or or thing. But anyways, okay. We got plot out of the way. What's your list of complaints? (laughs) Let me find them. Let me pull my list of complaints Jessica takes notes. I don't. I rely on my memory. Kat has a very good memory, and I do not. Okay. Um... Let's see. Uh, Let's not start at the very end, because that note is kind of funny. Um, so the prophecy 
that is the prophecy uh-huh. is something that we don't actually find out until really late in the book. Yeah. And they keep talking about this goddamn prophecy. We need to see the oracles of Delphi. Okay, great. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? We all do. Sign that's me always, the fuck up. That's always a trip people take. <laughs> I feel like had we known even just a little bit of the prophecy beforehand, uh-huh. I think I would have felt more comfortable. Um, and it all starts when Eleni is walking through the square with her basket of fish. whom she Actually, she keeps saying she smells like fish the entire first part of the book. Because she had to take care of these fish herself. The fishmonger wouldn't do it for her. Yeah. Um, but she's walking through the square and there are legionnaires that are going, that are basically murdering a guy at the temple of Zeus because he is prophetizing and he points directly at her. She's like, you will bring down Grisha. You and are bringing all, the Don't empire call down. attention to me. And she's all, uh, hood up, walking through, leave yeah. me alone. Um, so we have a bit of that prophecy, but I needed it to be more focused on that. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like, this is a thing that we're doing and you're doing it because of the prophecy, but you don't know why. And I'm like, but, but I, I think it's pretty normal too. Because in mythology, the oracles are pretty, pretty cryptic mm-hmm. and they like to keep things close at hand. But I then say most prophecies are cryptic. The honestly. fates, the fates are also the same way mm-hmm. if we think about it. Um, so she runs into the catacombs, blah, 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 Trav, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the chosen must also choose them. Yes. That's never talked about after that. I mean, I don't think it needs to be. I needed it to, like, if it was going to be part of the prophecy, why did they not talk about it more? Let's see. Um... What are these gods doing? Why are Erebus and Eros even near each other? I'm so confused. And that was a moment of these are two gods that should not be in the same room as each other, and yet they are. Um, yeah, that was another thing where you just gotta let the book drive you. Yeah. The author's in, on the steering wheel this time. Eros makes everybody horny at all times, but specifically he delights in making Eleni horny the entire time. I mean, if he's attracted to her. Okay, in any situation, human, myth, whatever, if you can make someone horny, do you not want to do that all the time? Consent. Okay. I but think then that he doesn't do concern. that. But he doesn't do that all the time. No. Because they tell him, like, let her feel on her own and, like, let her figure out her own emotions. He's like, you're right. And so he doesn't do it for probably the last two thirds of the book. Yeah. He's like, you're right. I was just trying to like loosen her up and get her out of her shell kind of feeling. And you're like, but you have to also understand that Eros is a frat boy. Like a hundred percent. He's the frat boy of love and sexy and horny. <laughs> just he just is. All the time. Yeah, he just is. And so you he, have to like let him do his thing. So you have these four gods stuck in the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Why is Eros the only one who can use his magic to magic things into existence? I don't know. That was frustrating to me. Because it was up to Eros to clothe Eleni the whole time. And because Eros is horny all the time, all of her clothes were see-through. Nipples on display all the time. Especially I mean, when... Especially have you seen <laughs> art from... <laughs> True. When they get to when they get to Dionysus, um, the nymphs are getting her dressed. And the nymphs are as nymphs are bitches. Um, they decide that they're going to paint her nipples gold. 
Who Thana- doesn't want gold nipples? Thanatos is like, yes, do it. But also, no, I hate you. Um, Why is Dionysus the only one who knows the prophecy if the prophecy is about these four gods and he traps them in the catacombs but doesn't tell them the prophecy? There was a thing about that. Um, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was either he heard it from someone or he made a deal with someone. It's Dionysus. That makes sense. And he kind of explains it. Like, I did this for your own good, but it was because blah, 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 blah. So this is for your own protection. And I can't remember what he says to them. But he does kind of explain why he's made such an awful, awful choice. Yeah. And that it does have to do with fulfilling the prophecy and keeping them safe until Eleni was of age. Because she has to be a certain age for this prophecy to work because of her powers and, like, all this other stuff. So, like, there is, like, a a kind of half-assed explanation for that one. I have this note. Dionysus, you naughty god, poisoned vines and rotting lions? You shouldn't have. Uh, Because their catacombs are lined, the walls are lined with these crazy poisonous vines. Yeah. Um, He was just, like, making super sure that that no one was, you know, fucking around. What else do I have on here? Here's the one that I was waiting for. Okay, so we're told at the beginning that her mom was worshipping Poseidon. Yeah. And then towards the center of the book, it was Hestia? It was a confusing moment. Because I texted that to you. Yeah. And you were like, hmm. And I was like, I think that was just an error. Um, That was like a weird error. The sex that happens in this book only happens between Eleni, Eros, and Erebus at the start. And um, it's a lot of weird sex. They don't have any penetrative sex until later, when they can all do it, except for Thanatos, because he doesn't do anything. Yeah. Except for be broody and dark. If you have a broody dark guy, wouldn't you want to utilize him more? Also... Apparently, Thanatos is only good for brutal, like, BDSM-style sex. Which is fitting. Checks out. Um, I put, oh no, she has too much fat power. They have to fuck it out of her. <laughs> um, And I think that is more of a they were trying to ground her. Because she does, when she drinks their blood, that's when her powers kind of activate. And... At that point, her power is too much for her human body. So she's like, I need something. So they just decide to fuck her in a chair. Weirdly. I don't know. The chair was there. I just remember that being a thing. Oh, and as they're wandering through the tunnels, all Eros can think about is fucking her in the tunnels. And I'm like, the woman is half dead. Helios is like dripping water into her mouth. To keep her alive. And Eros <laughs> is like, wouldn't it be great if we fucked in these catacombs in the tunnels down here? Wouldn't it be great if we did that covered in Lamia blood? We should do that. Um, and then we have the crazy Norse frozen ice giant guy that comes in. They kill that. Um, Eros. Eros sucks. Okay, in that moment, they have that crazy ice giant thing, right? Yeah. They slay it. Shards of glass come off of it. Eros's wings are shredded i'm gonna put that in quotations they're gods they can heal themselves he basically is like i'm dying eleni i would do anything for you just tell me you love me you have known her for four days shut up 
feel like you're being like hypercritical of something <laughs> that is a mythology fantasy book. Oh, uh, it just irritated me. And I think maybe this is the reason why I'm so frustrated with it is because I have read a lot of contemporary romance recently. So maybe I'm just still in that headset, like that mindset of this thing. I feel like I needed also more information on chaos and what was going on in Tartarus. So the emperor, if you will, is the son of Ares. Okay. And he thinks that he he's basically, he's a demigod. And so he thinks because his father is Ares, that he is all powerful. And that's why he thinks everyone should worship him. And that's why he wants chaos on his side. But what you have to understand with mythology is that the, they're not even gods. What do you call them? The Titans. There you go. The Titans that are in Tartarus have a way of finding these demigods and these gods who are of weaker constitution, if you will, and basically whispering in their ear on and manipulating them, telling them that they can make them better. They can make them bigger. So I wouldn't be surprised that if in the next book we find out more about that situation, the emperor um, being you know someone Eros who's- is. Sorry, Eros is a child of Ares. Yeah. Which is why he would be down there. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. That he's also linked to next too. Yeah. In a very weird way. Because you said that was the only one not linked. No, Helios. To Helios is the only one. Not linked to Nyx. <laughs> now I'm confused because earlier you said. No, it's Helios is the only one. Ares. Not Ares. Um, Erebus. Eros and Thanatos are all linked to Nyx in some way. Helios is the only one who is not. But it wouldn't it wouldn't be surprising to me if she brought up the fact that this emperor is got a weaker constitution and these whispering titans were able to convince him to let them out and he would they would show him power. But what story tells us is that these titans can't ever be let out because they are manipulative and they will do anything to get out of Tartarus. Yeah. So that's how I felt. Um, let's go ahead and rate this bitch. <laughs> One out of five stars, Cat. What do you rate it? I'm going to say 2.5. Generous. Well, okay. I didn't hate it like you hated it. I <laughs> was entertained. Not just like the sex stuff. But, like, the twist on Greek mythology, because Greek mythology is so complicated as it is, yeah. right? It's just so complicated. Mm-hmm. There, Like, everyone loves and hates and murders and fucks each other yeah. constantly. And it's not even just the major gods, right? Can it's, we like, be th- literally everyone. Can we be thankful that Poseidon and Zeus were not in this? Well, Poseidon is a background character. Also, he proposed to Hestia. Hi- uh, Poseidon? Yeah. Yeah. So that and she spurned him because she didn't want to choose between Apollo. I guess that makes sense. And why Poseidon, would, yeah. and that so she's forever a virgin, which would make sense as to why he would most likely want to defile, yeah, her or like her, desecrate her, her temple. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, anyways, that's what I was looking up. Um, I I thought that there were some funny moments. I know that the language was a barrier for you. Um, but, like, if you get past that, the writing isn't terrible. Um, I think the blending of two very different types of mythology that have existed for centuries is really interesting. So even though we didn't get a lot 
of Norse mythology. Um, it's just interesting the idea of introducing that within the realm mm-hmm. because obviously the Greeks would be busy fighting the Romans, not yeah. exploring Norse mythology, yeah. right? Fair. Like separate realms, right? So, I mean, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I don't know that I'll continue it. I'm not opposed to it, but I mean, I don't know. It's it's just not a big deal to me. I know that um, it's just a very different take on maybe something that we were expecting and hoping. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I gave it a one. Yeah. I gave it a one. Um, a solid, just a one. Um, there were aspects that I did enjoy. There are humorous moments. Mm-hmm. I will give them that. Um, and she did choose one of my favorite favorite minor gods, so we'll go with that. Um, and I'm not going to say anything else about what I disliked, because I've already given you all of that. <laughs> um, so, Kat, we have options. Yep. I'm going to say, let's do this. Um, we could read the Alicia Rye. Mm-hmm. Or we have the crazy one that I, the one that's weird and crazy, and I kind of want to see what you would think of it. Uh-huh. Or I even have on my side of the list, I have a superhero romance. <laughs> you have a superhero romance? I have a superhero romance. That's funny. Caped and Dangerous? Yeah. Is that what it is? That's, that's the one. Funny. That's the one. Um, I, I'm kind of down for whatever. Okay. Honestly. I mean, since we've been trying new things, I mean... When you told me to, like, download free books, I, first of all, I downloaded, like, 15 and then read them in two weeks. And then I was like, ugh, now I have nothing to read. <laughs> so, like, I'm kind of just down for whatever. Okay. Yeah. Should we do, because we just did one with gods, should we do the crazy weird one that has demigod aspects to it? I mean, that's fine. All right. So then, we're going to push Partners in Crime by Alicia Rye for okay. another month. We are going to read... The book is called The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy by Megan Bannon. Okay. Okay. This is the cozy romisty, rom fantasy, if you will. Okay. And um, I am very fascinated and interested to see what you'll think of it. It was one of my favorite books of last year. Okay. And if you hate it, that's okay. I just want to see what camp you land in. Okay. Because it is All going right. to be something pretty different, I think, to what you've normally read. Oh, it's under science fiction and fantasy? Uh-huh. Okay. But there is romance in it. A charming mixture of whimsy and the macabre. Yes. That completely won me over. And it is enemies to lovers. Okay. And also epistolary, if you will. Okay. Um, There's a lot of aspects. It's amazing. I love it. It was great. And I won't be upset if you hate this one. Okay. Okay. So okay. let's do that. So next time, join us as we read The Undertaking of Heart and Mercy by Megan Bannon. And then we we record from a distance again. <gasps> from a distance. Yeah, it'll be weird. It'll be strange. I mean, it'll be fine. But like, I have missed this same room situation, though. <laughs> it's I a little bit that. easier. Whenever there's a lag on the computer, it's like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> the good news is the recording software makes it easy to cut that out so we're okay but uh join us next time as we read the undertaking of heart and mercy if you have already read it and loved it and want to talk about it or hated it and want to talk about yeah. it yeah let us know let us know i just we don't know where i'm gonna land yeah we have no idea let us know you can dm us on instagram or twitter or even send us an email but uh until next time bad bitches read romance bye, bye.